a delight to be back in Jackson, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to come and share and worship experience with you today. I first came to Jackson some 40 years ago. You've changed a little bit, both at First Baptist Church and in Jackson itself. That's the way time is, and many good and wonderful things happen along the way to strengthen us all as we grow together in Christ's likeness. It's a joy to see so many old friends, no, to see so many friends who have not gotten older, and that's been a good thing. The title of the message this morning is The Altar, the Tent, and the Well. And the text for the message is found in the 26th chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis, the 26th chapter, beginning at verse 17, reading through verse 25, and I'm sharing from the New International Version translation. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. And so he named the well Esek, because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. And so he named it Sitnar which literally is translated opposition. He moved on from there, and he dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there... He went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you. And increase the number of your descendants for the sake of of my servant Abraham. And Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Isaac is a most interesting character 
There are some things about his life that we cannot admire and would not want to emulate. But there is much about him that strikes a chord, a chord of familiarity with our own lives. I would suggest that Isaac might be the representative of the average man. Most of us would stand with Isaac, neither exceedingly rich or exceedingly poor, neither exceedingly wise or exceedingly stupid neither a finished saint or a hopeless derelict floating along in life. This very common man did, however, a very uncommon thing, in fact, several uncommon things. And because of that, we can take him to be a model for us. And we can determine that at least in some areas of our lives where we have the ability to choose, the ability to make our own decisions, the ability to determine the kind of action that we will take in our lives and with our lives, we can look and listen and watch old Isaac and we can allow something of his example to become a part of the way we live our lives. The great things that he did surely could be summed up in that 25th verse. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Here we have in this one verse and in this almost singular action of Isaac, we have a description of the three important centers for life. The altar, the home, and our life's work. In an industrial and informational age in which we live, so much of the world wants to destroy almost all of these three centers. For over and over and over again, the media would remind us that the church is to be laughed at. And sadly, in the days in which we live, on the national scene, religion has become a laughing stock. And those who have paraded under the name and the banner of religion have brought the altar to a place of national, even international shame. But the world is bent on seeing to it that the church is not important in the lives of people. Surely, one would have to be totally ignorant 
of all of the affairs of the last 50 years in our nation, not to recognize that the home has been the target for destruction. That all of the so-called sociologists, that all of the so-called fighters for personal freedom have made the home the target for destruction. Saying that the home is no longer important. The destruction of the home does not cost the nation anything. And how wrong they are. And there are many who say that to have a vocation that makes a difference and that matters in life is really not that important. But Isaac saw it differently. There Isaac built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. He built an altar. I'd like to suggest to you that any one of these three major circles <coughs> so described here, the circles of life, the altar, the home, and work, that when any one of these three get out of kilter in our lives with others, then, then all of life is messed up. Isaac first, in the sequence, saw that an altar should be built. Before the home and before a work, the altar should be built. It is a matter of priority. It does not take very long in sitting down with any one of us. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm suffering from what so many of you are in these days of low humidity and no rain with sinus infection. So will you just excuse this, please? That in the building of an altar, in the priority that he exhibited that that would be first, he gives for us even the model of that which should be first in our own lives. As important as home is, as important as work is. When we get our priorities wrong or mixed up and we put Jesus in second or third or no place, then the pattern does not fit together right. And I want to urge you strongly that no matter who you are, <coughs> no matter your age, whether you're at the early beginnings of your life, whether you're in the, those formative years of making those important decisions about your life and where and how you're going to spend your life, or whether you're on moving toward the sunset years, it is never too late to the re-examination of the priorities of life as to what we put first, as to what is most important for us. These days in your church, has been a time, at least the opportunity, for each and every one of you to examine financial priorities in your own life, to determine what place God and His work will have in your life, in your budget, in your influence, to determine 
the place that the church will have, its, its welfare and its outreach. And so it is no accident that Isaac first built an altar and called on the name of the Lord there. All kinds of altars in this world, from the simplest kinds of altars where simply stone <coughs> would be piled upon stone, or in simple buildings, almost lean-tos, <coughs> or in beautiful and wonderful sanctuaries such as this. In those magnificent cathedrals of the world, it really does not make a lot of difference as to the physical makeup of the altar. The important thing is that there be in each of our lives an altar, the place where we meet God, the place where we feel at home with God, a place where we talk with Him and our minds and our hearts are open to receive what He would say to us out of His Word, from His messengers, from the hymns that we sing, from the hand clasp of a friend gathered at the altar. Hear the spiritual reality of worship, the spiritual altar in our hearts that makes all the difference in the world. <coughs> in March of this year, I was driving to Oak Ridge to preach. And just as I turned off of Interstate 40 onto Highway 58, I noticed a helicopter ambulance was hovering over that intersection. A patrolman had blocked the traffic in all directions. It was obvious that something was wrong, but I could not determine if there was a wreck. In a little while, as we waited, an ambulance came from one of the highways. They rushed over, took someone from that ambulance on the stretcher over to the helicopter. It lifted up and moved away and headed toward Knoxville to the hospital there. I sat there in my car and I, I looked at all of that. And I then, when the roadblock was cleared, began to move on toward Oak Ridge. And suddenly it dawned on me <coughs> that I had been a spectator. Someone was in trouble. There was need. I do not know whether it was a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. I do not know what the circumstances were, but somebody was in trouble. And I sat in my car and I watched the ambulance and I watched the helicopter, and then I watched them move him and watched it fly away. And it dawned on me that I had sinned against that person and those who were seeking to minister. And so I pulled over on the side of the road and prayed. Prayed for someone I did not know. Prayed for people I did not know who were seeking to help 
in a time of need. And there in my automobile on the side of the highway, I found a close reality with God. For there at that particular spot, God had allowed me to build even temporarily an altar. Most of us had better learn to pray while we're behind the wheels of our automobiles. You keep your eyes wide open and your hands on the wheels and keep alert, but while your eyes are wide open and looking around, we need to be praying, praying for the folks who are driving the other cars and praying for ourselves. But there are many, many places that we need to turn into the altars of life. Isaac created an altar, and there he called on the name of his God. In the building then of that altar, the place of seeing right, the place of being right with God. Then it says he pitched his tent close by. That meant that he wanted to live in close proximity to where the altar had been built that he wanted his family life to be linked to his altar life. And that's a pretty good decision. And I would encourage you, as I would encourage myself, that my home life would be so interwoven then with my church life and reality that indeed the service of the Lord Jesus would take place within the home circle. It's a happy person who is in right relationship to his or her God. A happy person in right relationship to his or her family members. The happy person who is in right relationship to the world at large. When we're in right relationship with all three, then we can be in right relationship at each segment and at the center of the circle there. And then it is said, that he had his servants dig a well. Now what in the world difference does that make? Well, in the ancient world, the digging of a well was to be of inestimable benefit to many, many people. In fact, thousands of years after his digging of the well, we remember it. We remember it this morning right here in Jackson, Tennessee. We remember what he did for those people then. For in the digging of the well, he was being a blessing to the community in which he lived. So then the well of our lives means that which we do with our lives. You're going to be remembered. How? You'll be remembered for your life. You'll be remembered for your conduct. You'll be remembered for your words. You'll be remembered for the way you spend your days. How will you be remembered? Five years from now, if you're in your grave, what will people think about when your name is called? Ten years from now, 50 years from now, when your name is mentioned, what will people think about? You see, the well is so important. Isaac had his priorities straight. He built an altar, he built his home, and he dug the well in order to touch the lives of others. My encouragement, I think the encouragement of the, of the lesson, the encouragement, this of the passage, is that each of us, young people, middle-aged, older folks, 
that we examine the centers of our lives. And if there's any part of your life that's lacking, if the altar is shoddy or even non-existent, if your home life is shoddy and needs some work, if you're not living for others but really only for self, then listen again about Isaac. Isaac built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Which circle do you need to work on? Do you need to order your priorities? Which circle do you need to entrench? That's what this service is about. That's the reason we have come to this altar, that we may examine our lives and get our priorities straight and work at these three important centers of life. We're going to sing hymn number 347. I surrender all. My, what a hymn. The invitation has been given, and the response has begun here at First Baptist. We hope this service has been a blessing to you. If it has, we would appreciate hearing about it. Address all correspondence to First Baptist Church, 1627 North Highland Avenue, Jackson, Tennessee, 38301. When you write, be sure to include the date of today's service. As our way of expressing appreciation for your worshiping with us, we will send you a free cassette tape of today's message. That address again is First Baptist Church, 1627 North Highland Avenue, Jackson, Tennessee, 38301. Of yourself, God takes it and blesses it and breaks it and multiplies it to the feeding of millions everywhere. Would you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the first step in building an altar. If you would accept Him as your Lord and your Savior, this is the best time and the best place to publicly profess your faith in Him. If you are a Christian and your membership is somewhere else and you live in Jackson, then what better time than to say, I'll make this church family my church family. I'm going to work on this altar in my life. You come, these folks would be so delighted to welcome you into their church family. As we stand and sing,